the suit that I've lived in through most of the training Bound for the heavens today, that impossible ride Singing goodbye to the kids early on On the news for those views When I'm up in the sky In my mind Here confined Ever primed in solitude Therefore As I circle above sixty miles Left with my thoughts in this universe Colored lights flashing Earth through the window So beautiful waits for the new Into dark, I am floating. Radio contact, my lifeline to all that I know. Prayers that I keep, dreams in my sleep, my companions. Log sheets in space, they're my ghosts.
Welcome to the Strange Book Podcast. My name's Jason Barnard, and that was Moon Dust and Solitude from Fairport Conventions' latest album, Shuffle and Go. And that's because uh, two reasons, one of which is that Fairport Convention have a really extended autumn 2023 UK tour, which we'll be covering, and I've chosen some Fairport tracks to cover, which are a surprise to Simon, and Simon's chosen some Fairport Convention tracks as well. Before we get into Moon Dust and Solitude and, and Shuffle and Go, Simon, because obviously you're a huge show at, at Cropperdy, and then you're back to a, a series of, of smaller dates at, across Britain. How do those compare? Is it the smaller UK tour is back to what your sort of usual pattern of uh, activities are across the year? That's what you do. Well, yes, indeed. Not just these years. I mean, we've always been a touring bat. We've never made money out of the record industry itself, so... It's all been about getting in the van, going off, driving somewhere, setting up, sending people away happy at the end of the night and moving on to the next place. And uh, fortunately, uh, we're all still very much in love with the idea of touring. It's when everything was done. As long as there's breath in the body, that's what I hope to be able to do. You can't compare what happens at Cropperty with anything else because it stands alone in the Fairport calendar and not just for the band members' calendar, but for everybody that works there. And everybody who's been coming there down the years, and you got if you've been there, then you've seen whole families coming along, generations of families together. It's become a part of their part of their annual round, just as much as a birthday party or Christmas is. It's just not the same kind of twelve month period without a property. Actually, almost everybody that comes there, and that's that degree of loyalty and the friendship, love really is something that we can't take credit for, but we're very happy to be a part of. So it's a long answer, short question. Yeah, we're back to basics, but that's where we're at our most comfortable. And is Dave Mattox on board for the, this UK tour? Not on this one, no. These gigs we're playing sort of in a in a seated format, just the four of us, without any without sort of instruments, you know, the electric instruments and so forth. It's more intimate, it's more chatty, it's more, far more relaxed, really. Uh, in the winter tour, we go out uh, with our own production, our own PA and crew and stuff. And then it makes sense to get Dave to come over from America, where he's been living for over 25 years. You know, dust off his drum kit and come out and uh, we make the bigger noises. But it's a, it's two sides of the same coin. It's still Fairport, whichever way you shake it. So my first surprise was Moon, Dust and Solitude. I chose that because I just love Chris Leslie's songwriting and it's a song that typifies that. It is. I mean, Chris has got a unique, he's developed a unique uh, take on his starting points for songwriting. I suppose he joined full-time in 96 when Martin Albrock left. But of course, we'd know Chris as a neighbour and a friend and a musician for many years before that. We're in and out various projects together, not after the cloud. So 
he's been family forever, and his songwriting, I think, is now infused with the idea of celebrating people or aspects of people's lives who aren't that well known. I mean, the Moon Dust and Solitude song is about Michael Collins, the, the astronaut on the Apollo 11 mission, who was the well, sort of duty pilot, I suppose. He was the taxi driver that got the Glory Boys, Armstrong and uh, Buzz Aldrin, got them home again after they'd done their amazing feat of walking around on the moon for the first time. But uh, he's kind of overlooked in the history books because they got the glory. But he had absolutely unique experience when he dropped them off and his module went round the back of the moon. He was the most isolated human being there had ever been. That picture of the moonrise, for instance, you know, the great image of the, the horizon of the moon beneath the, at the bottom of the image, and then the, the blue marble in the distance. He took that photo, and that is a photo of the entirety of humanity, minus one. Now, you get your head around that, think about that. It's uh, Anyway, I love Chris's writing too, and can't wait for the next batch. Brilliant. We'll move back with the first of your selections, Simon. We've got um, Crazy Man Michael from uh, Legion Leithen. Am I right that this was a period where the more traditional songs were coming in, but even the original material, which this is an example, I think this is, is Swab and, and Richard's song, yeah. was it in that more traditional vein? Well, the idea was to take traditional songs and make them relevant to the kind of musical palette that we were using, because the contemporary one of drums, guitars, and to write new songs and have those use some of the traditional folk imagery and melodies. So as to blur the division between them. can you make a, a trad song modern, can you make a modern sound, modern song trad. And uh, Crazy Man Michael, I think, exemplifies this approach of blurring that line to the point now where it's quite often referred to as a traditional song. And I suggested doing this one because it sums that up in a nutshell, but also it gives you a chance to hear the song as it was originally recorded in 1969. And the way it sounds now with some of the same people playing it, but uh, as the current band interprets that song. The lyrics to that have got kind of a, a tragic nature to them, and it could be interpreted a few ways, because there's elements of sorcery, but references to madness or, or mental health as well. Yes, indeed, that's it. I mean, they, the idea of shape-shifting, that uh, is the poor victim, Crazy Man Michael, is deluded by the, either witchcraft or his own insanity, and kills the things that he kills the thing that he loves most, which is a fairly you know those are fairly common themes in the tradition of <laughs> well at least the doomy side of the tradition. Not all folks' things are about death and magic and naked uh, hearts, but this one is.
From a similar period, um, I've chosen Genesis Hall from Unhalf Bricking, and this is an interesting example of a, a true story, I think. Yes, this is one of Richard's earliest uh, compositions on his own right. Uh, and uh, it was inspired by, uh, as you say, a true story. There was, in the 1968, that summer, there was a lot of civil disobedience. I mean, London, which is where we lived, had a bit of it, but nothing compared to what was going on in Paris at the time. Police cars being overturned, buildings on fire everywhere. 
But uh, there was some squatting going on. Squatting was a public protest by the long-haired hippies of our generation who are objected to big business owning empty properties in posh parts of the, of the capital and just mothballing Then there were people starving on the streets with nowhere to show at all. So trespass became, and squatting became the order of the day. One particular property was taken over and cleared out by the police on the order of the court in quite a graphic and uh, well-publicised way. And that was the inspiration for Richard to write this song, Genesis Hall. One of the elements I love in this song, other than the facts, it's just a, I mean, incredibly mature song from Richard, even though he was such a young age, was um, Martin Lamble's drumming on this, because it, it seemed to sort of embody the melody at times. It's quite a, a new, unique style. He did have that. He didn't realise it at the time, at least I didn't. But Martin, who sadly died just after this record was made, the crash that we all went through, he played the drums and approached the drums much more melodically than most of his contemporaries. That's still a very unusual way to play the drums, but uh, it sounds terribly grown up now when you listen to it, which, as you say, was quite something, because we were all just in our late teens at this point in our lives. And I'm very proud that, that I was part of that amazing little flourishing musical band When the river 
I wanted to move things on to ask you about John Lee from Babacan, <laughs> Babacan Lee. I've always loved that album. That was a period where Richard had left the band and yeah. you had a bit more of a prominent role in the group as well. Yes, we went down from a five-piece with uh, two very talented frontmen with Swarb and Richard chasing the spotlight around the front of the stage to fencing and dueling with each other musically. And Richard thought it was time for him to move on focus on his songwriting and just to define what he wanted to do musically for the rest of his life without the obligation of getting in the van and doing 200 shows a year. So while we continued to live together, Richard stopped coming to the gigs and the remaining four of us sat around and discussed what we were going to do next. Couldn't think of anybody to invite into the band and then took the, you know, the easiest option of splitting the money four ways rather than five. So that meant I had to get a different guitar. And everybody had to cut each other a lot of slack because we'd lost a major musical uh, ingredient to the proceedings. But things shuffled about a bit, settled down, found a new balance, and we carried on, made two records before I decided to do the same thing as Richard. But this Babacom Lee was a, was a fabulous project to be involved in because it was a set of songs all hanging together on one narrative thread. And it told the story of Poor John Lee, who was convicted of murdering his boss and burning the house down. But uh, when he was taken to the gallows, 1884, the mechanism failed three times. He was excused, sent off to break rocks for 20 years. A sad song. But yeah, we all chipped in to make our contributions to what was basically a swarm-driven project. And uh, yeah, it was fun to do because we performed it as a standalone piece, played the whole thing 40 minutes long as part of our show that year. And you were involved in production on that, weren't you? Yes, I did. I, I got to, after we'd made the first album, I became absolutely fascinated by the recording process and learned all I could from it, thanks to John Wood, who was our engineer in those days, very patient with this young whippersnapper. Esther him all the time to say, what's that do? What are you doing now? Why have you done that? I'd learnt a bit, and the others trusted me to make some executive decisions about the direction the record should take. So yes, I got into record production. That was one of the things I did during my sabbatical. I took three years out after this record. Yeah, things have moved on a lot since then. I no longer have that hands-on need in me. I'm quite happy to leave that to John Gale, who's been producing our records for the last decade or so. Before him, Mark Tucker. 
John feel your headaches growing The cold wind's blowing but the sea's without a ripple John V, your forehead's damp Your muscles cramped and the sea can't use a cripple But his flesh won't make a safe Working in a big hotel Waiting for the bell that's ringing for his labour Would we think things must get better? John Lee, of a friend's true, she wants to help you, Miss Keys has sent a letter. Write me when and I'll send someone to meet you John's gone to where he started from He's not work long, just beginning to be long It hasn't been a very good day The missus wants to half my pay Close the door and douse the light It's quiet at night when she's stuck in tight Sometimes I feel when they're all in bed It's almost like the whole world's dead So I lay me down to sleep I pray the Lord my soul to Next, we move to another of your choices, and that's um, Fiddlesticks. I think it was released as The Devil in the Kitchen. This is about 73, and I don't think you were in the group at the time, but it's a rather unique version of Fiddlesticks, isn't it? Yes, the tune itself was a fiddle centrepiece. Obviously, it was a showpiece in the set that we could always rely on to get everybody up bumping. But uh, yes, during my absence, we had an Australian in the back called Trevor Lucas, and he thought very big sometimes. They recorded a version of Fiddlesticks and decided that they'd overdubbed some strings on it. I mean, I'm not talking about a sweet quartet or some swooping orchestral block chords. I'm talking about getting the lead line of Fiddlesticks and putting it in front of a bunch of classical players in a studio setting on a Monday morning. I wish to my dying day that I'd been there to witness this song when they all sat down and opened their sheet music and then got to look at the tempo bar line. It's a bit of fun, and it didn't really break the band in Australia, which I think was a reason that uh, there was a justification for doing it. 
it's an object lesson in what you can do in the studio if you set your mind to it. Was this the period when you were forming the, the Albion band? Is that right? That's happened almost instantly after I left. Right. Cable. Yeah, that happened in early 72. The very first touring version of a, a band with the Albion in the name. We had made a record with Shirley Collins uh, the year before where all the musicians on it got this catch-all title. But yes, the Albion Country Band was uh, the first thing I did musically as a performer after leaving Fairport. Yeah, in 1971. Now we move to one of my choices, and it's uh, Lala Rook. Oh, great. And that's a song about the sea and sailing, which is, there are quite a few songs in the Fairport canon that are related to the sea. Yeah, there are. I mean, we're an island nation, and yet it's inevitable that there are a lot of folk songs about the sea. Many of them end in ghastly, watery, collective deaths. But um, the essence of this is not about that. This is a, a song about being a successful maritime Workmen, I suppose, just a member of a crew, but making a good living, hauling stuff around the world. 
Um, yeah. Lally Rick was an angle. Pretty famous trading vessel. No longer afloat, obviously. But the figurehead of that vessel was something in common with many other figureheads that, that people used the figurehead to sort of relate to the ship and their, their sense of being in a crew together. They all had this in common, as opposed to the figurehead over on that ship over there, where they had a different kind of ethos vibe. So Lalarook is this particular anonymous seafarer's go-to place, his home. It's a bit like Fairport is to me. One of the interesting things about that song, if, if I'm right, is that it's it's by Martin Alcock and, and Chris Leslie, but yeah. Chris wasn't in the group in that period, was he? No, he wasn't. No, the song was originally, it was just a tune that Martin came up with because Martin was a great tune, was forever coming out with melodies. We all liked the melody, but we couldn't find anywhere to use it or to, how to place it. And um, he knew that he needed to turn into a song. And as I mentioned earlier, Chris was a good friend or neighbour, erstwhile colleague, and uh, they put their heads together. Chris had this idea about what a figurehead meant to the crew members and uh, settled on Lala Rook because she's at the, the figurehead still on show at the cutty soil in his ear striking piece of carving and um, they collaborated just as friends and neighbours and then oddly enough a few years later Martin moved on Chris came aboard this is their only joint composition sails across the bar line the port is slipping out of view a realm and oak got through the water the figurehead will guard our crew oh la Princess of old India, she looks ahead for storm or calm. She's all I have for my salvation with the
Girls no longer circle round us The sun is strong upon my face Pulling hard upon the ropes now We hope this wind will last for days Oh la la roo Please think of me when I am on the deep And keep me safe within your heart Don't be flattered by the eyes Don't give your love while we Coming home, the moon's behind us How many times I've called your name I'll hold you in my arms so tightly Till I go to see again Oh, la la bruh. Till I go to see again Oh, la, la, Was it A Sailor's Life? Was that one of the first songs that you did that had that nautical theme? Arguably, yes. It was his first Sailor's Life recorded on the band's Get out, I think, outbreaking. Broke much new ground. It was more representative of the, of the way we played on stage at the time there'd be extended wig outs at the end of a lot of songs that is an approach that we took into the studio because when you go in and record a song you've got the beginning the middle of the end and there's a structure generally speaking but uh, we liked the way that the sailor's life sort of drifted about a bit after the narrative had finished and became very atmospheric enhance the story you just heard and we attempted it in the studio and it it just all the stars aligned at that moment then it's a fabulous testament to sandy singing the way she tells the story it's very believable and then it shows just the way the band is interacting without any sort of conscious direction we literally just followed our noses through this piece of music was it Sandy that brought the song to the group? She came directly from a career in as a soloist in folk clubs. So she had a much greater knowledge of the tradition and a repertoire to go with it. And when she joined the band, at that point, we didn't do much what you'd call folk music. 
it was easier to move to a center ground later on the neutral territory and let these two influences flow into each other. So she was she was key to the, the fact that we became known as a folk rock band, yes. A sailor's life, it is a merry life. He robs young girls of their heart's delight, leaving them
and now we move to another of your songs and uh, it's uh, one of uh, chris leslie's i, I think uh, my love is in america so that was on the, the the 35th anniversary album yeah that's 20 years ago now isn't it crackers yeah it's just a sweet little love song about uh two young people really in love with each other not yet embarked together on their common course and on their tour that marked by her family going to america and his family staying in ireland and him moving to london but uh in the days when you know you couldn't even write a letter and get a reply inside six months yeah it was a heart-wrenching for them but uh it's optimistic and it sums up i think a lot about chris's personality it's just one of a more of one of those great story songs that Chris does, and that seems to be one of the threads of his songwriting is that he's able to impart a story and make it believable and put that into song form. Yeah, and he gives just enough details to the people to let you imagine them strongly. So that's the, the trick of a great novelist is to, to feed you the skeleton and let you put the flesh on that bone. Crossing turn my inside Left to the sound of the marching band Sail at the change of the tide When I saw Mary, the father said He was sailing across the deep blue Bright and new days in a promised land She would be going there with plans I'm using the name of another man to get a job here for more pay I'll walk these strange streets for a better life London's the place so they say Bell. 
And the final song is your choice, Simon. It's me on the legend. Is this the 2017 Cropody version? Oh, I hope so. Yeah. I mean, there are many versions of it. Yes, I think this is at the end of a weekend of tremendous celebration and terrific music from all the other bands. And then we get to go on stage and we play for like three, probably getting on for three hours. And at the end of it, everybody gets up on their back legs, sings this song back at us which is definitely the highlight of my year. And it just shows how this song, which was tucked away on the second one we made, chapter side to no big deal. It's grown into this quite extraordinary anthem that tip. I don't know, it's, it's become more and more moving, the older I've got. But I still find it a real pleasure to sing. It's never an ordeal to sing it because it means, it's come to mean so much to so many people. It does make us think back to people we've lost and we will not see again. And that's very much the case at Cropperty because families, as I say, have been going there for a long time. Every year, there's a family comes back one light because of time's toll. And we think of those people. Yeah, I've just seen Judy on, on the stage there and reflecting. It's, it's incredibly moving. And it, that friendship, that kinship, as well as that sense of remembering just seems to become more stronger over the years, as you say. Well, Fairport didn't set out to do this thing, but we have become an institution, literally. And, you know, we're part of many people's lives. Property, we all get the chance to express that. As far as being a, a performer in the band, I'm one of many. I happen to be the only one who was there, but still in the band, who played the very first gig but was named my family home so I guess I had sort of some kind of got to say yeah that it's not a big deal for me when I'm gone helping up band and carrying under the same name and colours and, and, and takes you'll be in safe hands what it I think so yeah I mean 
you can't look into the future with any certainty, but if one thing is sure, it's that Chilliwack has a lot of momentum yeah. and it's more, it's always been more than the sum of its parts. And with that back catalogue, we've only talked about a tiny handful. The new material as well, I, I don't think it gets referred to. I, I was looking on Apple and it had the Fairport Convention Essentials and it just covered songs from the first few albums. And it, I was yeah. really disappointed because across all the periods of the group, there's been material that stands out. Absolutely. It's not been, we're not attributed that to ourselves just because we include songs like Crazy Man Michael and Matty Groves in the repertoire these days. It's not because we're pretending we're 18 again. Those songs have traveled forward in time with us and we're physically different people now. But uh, the energy, the ideas behind us is very real. But yes, you, it's disappointing when sometimes I'm being interviewed by a journalist who is entirely focused on what was it like in 1968, you know, when you shared a stage with Hendrix, what was that like? You know, that was great, but we've moved on, you know, this is now, and the band is viable in its own right, on its own terms. Property shows that, doesn't it? Absolutely. And so do these, the tour we do in February, March, and the tour we're doing in October, November. You know, that's, we are viable on those terms in the current marketplace. I'm very, very, I love playing with my mates in the band. We all have a great time. We make valid music and it's what we all choose to do. So thanks very much for the opportunity and thanks for your more grown-up questions. It's my pleasure. <laughs> um, thank you so much. And I would say wish you all the best with the, the Autumn UK tour, but you don't need that because you're beautifully equipped to be able to do a fantastic show. So thank you, Simon. Oh, well, thank you. Let's just hope we don't get any big traffic jams or <laughs> have any sort of logistical disasters. Or get your cold, yeah. for heaven's sake. Okay. Thanks a lot, Simon. Bye for now, Jason. Thank you. Bye-bye. We used to say the day we'd all making songs all fine and better words design is everlasting long is in ways up along the road
Thank you for listening to the Strange Brew podcast. If you do like the show, please consider a small donation to help keep the show archive online. It's 10 years since I started the podcast and hosting fees are increasing over time. All your support keeps the show running and helps me get amazing guests. To support me, just go to thestrangebrew.co.uk where you'll see a donate button on the homepage. Thank you very much. Plus, any reviews on your podcast services help to spread the word too. Thank you.